This is the penultimate issue or issue, penultimate episode of Pals Pulls. It's the dynamic duo of Tyler. Hey, how's it going? We're live, so I can't even edit that out, but it's fine. You're good. Edit what out? Exactly. And uh, I'm Sean, and we've got five-ish books to talk about this week, including the return of the original X-Men, a book that is much maligned this week, and I cannot wait to get into. It's been very fun being on the internet for this one. Uh, God's number three. It's a book that's still happening. Animal Pound number one. Geiger, Ground Zero number two. And Wonder Woman number four. Now, I want to point something out to all you lovely people. Thank you for joining us, of course. I want to point out that we are not reading one single book this week, on the docket at least, that is past issue five. Not an issue five or higher this week. Can you believe it? Welcome to Modern Comics, baby. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But hey, uh, all of these are pretty fresh. These are pretty fresh series. I guess the only one you could really like hit is Wonder Woman because it, it's technically like Legacy 804 also. Um, While know. we're on the topic, would you rather it's say 804 or 4? I'm a big Legacy number guy, okay, yeah. and that's so dumb, right? Like it doesn't matter. It, and it, it's probably it worse. But for me, for whatever reason, I like it. I don't know. Chat, let us know. What are you into? How do you feel about that? Tyler, you're into the Legacy number, right? I like, I like when the numbers go up. I play Warcraft. I play DPS. That's all I care about. Right, yeah. I always hated number number squish there. I hate it in comics, too. But I get it. Business is business. Um, let's get into the business of talking about the original X-Men. Now, first of all, this is by Greg Land. Or, I'm sorry, it's by Crystal's Gage. Greg Land as well. Um, wow, that's an interesting creative team. Um, Inks, mm-hmm. keep going. Inks by uh, Jay Leistein and colors by Frank Diarmada. I wanted to say, oh, and letters by Clayton Cowles. I wanted to say this cover is sick. This is a great cover. Ryan Stegman did a wonderful job. I yeah. just don't understand why it is that, in my opinion, anyway, Gene just looks like out to lunch on this cover. Like she just, she just kind of looks like. <laughs> Like her really mind is not... elsewhere, Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite literally, she's doing telep- telepathy or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had it. You had. You wanted to jump in with something on this. Uh, the only I can't. I can, only one word comes to mind when you you list everything here: you know, the name, the book, the creative team. It's just a big old why, <laughs> you know. Um, I forgot this was coming out. So once you, you, you said, all right, we're going to do a, an original X-Men this week. I'm like, what the hell is original X-Men? And I, I just I just read it, and I didn't really – I saw it was Christmas Gage, and then I got into it, and I was like, oh, no. We're in 2007. <laughs> hey, that was a good year for comics. For X-Men, though. <laughs> to me, it was a good year for X-Men. I was, I was locked in on all the uh, I don't remember like Messiah Complex stuff and everything else. Oh, okay. I was way into that. Um, All right. So this book is one in what feels like several books that are trying to appease and appeal to an audience of readers who are lapsed X-Men fans uh, that don't care for the Krakoan era. And so, of course, we all know that that era is, is, is 
over soon. Good point. You know that it is. Yeah, it's it's going the way of the dodo. And yet they still can't just let it bow out gracefully. They've got to put out these sorts of books that are appeasing those that don't like it. But this book doesn't just do that. It also ties into like Jean Grey that we just saw. Um, and then it also is tying into whatever is coming in the future of the X. So it's got a lot of ground to cover. And I think when you need a job done, right, like an editorial job done, you go to a guy like Christos Gage. He's a great hand. He's gonna. He's the type of writer who's going to fit whatever the mold is that you need. He can do that job. And I think that the job he's given to do here, whatever you feel about that, I want to say this right out the gate. I think Christos Gage does a fine job. He's a good hand. The the writing of this this issue was perfectly fine. Um, I had no issue really with the writing. Sure, the plot is a little weird, but like I, again, this is where I think like all right, this was a puzzle piece to something greater. Uh, this one shot, right? It's a one shot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's confusing, you know, with the whole Jean Grey thing, which was. Marketed as a Fall of X title, but read like it was it wasn't, you know. Uh, and then you have this, then connecting into something that already got announced. What was it? Weapon Weapon, Weapon X-Men. Weapon X-Men, yeah. Which isn't even technically a part of the new X-Men launch branding, because that all starts in July. So it's We don't know that. Well, yeah, that's that's the, we just know that the the next era of X Men will be announced in July. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming since this was already announced that it's not part of that. But um, yeah, it is just it's just a confusing mess. And and it's funny. Um, there was a variant cover for I think Captain America because it has Captain America on the cover. Um, that was like one of these winter holiday variant covers and it was, it was by Greg Land and I had posted it in Discord a couple, you know, like a week ago or something like, oh wow, look at this, Greg Land's doing something a little different here. It feels flatter. Um, and then we opened this, I'm like, oh no, this is, this is the Greg Land I know. Well, I'm a fan of Greg Land and I am not ashamed to say that. Um, I think that, you know, Greg Land gets a lot of heat for tracing and stuff. Find me an artist that doesn't do those things. I dare you. Um, on some level. Is Greg Land egregious about it? Yeah, absolutely. This panel that I am pointing to right now <laughs> that features Phoenix, you know, pointing her hands out towards the reader is a cover from Phoenix and Song, which was the first comic book I ever bought that had the Phoenix in it. And it's like a 2006 or five miniseries, whatever it's from. It's from that era. And that's that exact same image just reutilized again and i don't care i don't care i don't know man it really doesn't bother you no no i feel like people find things to care about i don't care i appreciate what greg land can do i i enjoy the you know his art style and i i think there are some really uh strong images in this book i don't think this is a bad looking comic at all i think it's a perfectly i think it's a comic book um you know, I, I the Greg Land bothers me. Uh, I know, like you said, it doesn't bother you, but it, it does take me out of the book because then I'm starting to recognize things that don't actually pertain to the story of the book. 
it, I'm seeing like, oh man, this is just a cover he did for this. Oh, I've seen him do this. This is an Invisible Woman. And it starts taking me out of the actual content in it, um, which is what annoys me. Like uh, Greg Land's The Thing is is burned into my memory, that 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 look that he does. Um, and there's a lot of repeating things here. Like at some points, Angel and Iceman have the same face, just different hair colors. Um, and it does take me out. Um, I thought when he had, he, he had something new to draw with the, this female onslaught, I was like, all right, it, it, it looks good because it's, I guess he can't really trace that. It's new. <laughs> um, I thought that was neat. Uh, it's funny that Marco's not here to talk about a female onslaught. You know, he probably would have had thoughts about that, but, uh, yeah, I don't, mm, this was not lighting me on fire at all. All right, well, let's talk about what happens. So, a future Phoenix from a different universe, different timeline across the multiverse, reaches out to the same original X-Men that were brought into the future, which is now the past, in 2012 or whatever year that was. They did the uh, all-new, all-different under Bendis. And so, those X-Men had their memories wiped. They were sent back to the past and everything else. This version of the Phoenix scoops them up, gives them their memories back, and has them challenging a different Phoenix who leads a different version of the original X-Men, which appears to be the same version of the original X-Men from the first issue of Jean Grey miniseries where they are now wiping people's memories and doing all sorts of bad deeds. It's If it's not that same group, it's the same idea that that issue presented uh and so essentially that is what this story is um i mean perez in the chat called it exactly you're 100 right that's the story um the other thing though that this will make you think about is that in this timeline that they go to professor xavier is killed by magneto who decides that he's going to challenge the avengers and the x-men by himself does that remind you of anything because that takes me to house and powers one of moira's timelines features her teaming up with a magneto who 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 does exactly that so it's like all these allusions to different timelines that like we're not really thinking about and it, and and that part i think the timey wiminess to borrow a phrase that i never use of it makes it tougher to stomach I'm insane, and I read all this stuff, so I know that. But if you're not, this would be very difficult to read. So I'm, I'm going to be real with you here. As you described all that, and I think you did a very good job ex- describing that because oh, I think the book doesn't fully describe it until you're almost done with it. Um, that hurt my brain still, and I read the book. <laughs> that is so convoluted for a one-shot. Like, how is that? Is that even accessible, really? Because you mentioned no. like this is supposed to be an accept, like or or at least uh, uh, a familiar looking book, so that people who might have you know not have dealt with Hulk or Cohen age stuff can just jump into it. But that story you just described is wild. It is wild, and I think you know again we're talking about, and and I don't know this for a fact. This is my opinion. We're talking about top down storytelling, right? Where I'm imagining that they have business they need to do in the future with the X-Men, and this book is going to get them to the place they need to go. And so when you have that type of thing, you need a guy like Christos Gage 
who really understands the way to disseminate information in these story beats. Um, is it is it clean? No, I don't think it's clean. But I don't think it's possible for it to have been clean because there's just not enough space. So with that being said, I I I actually I I enjoyed the interactions between the uh these two teams of 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 X-Men. Granted, you know, it's the exact same people, right? It's the OG X-Men talking to the OG X-Men about OG X-Men stuff. And it's technically our OG X-Men who went to our future in the Bendis era. Yes. And like <laughs> What talking if this is just to... a... Go ahead. <laughs> Who's on first, Sean? Um what if this is just leading to Bendis coming back to X-Men? <laughs> Uh, listen, at this point, why not? Screw it. Play the hits. Um, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of, hey, uh, I know you, I know how you really think because I'm you, you know, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of characters trying to, to appeal to their better natures. You know, the young crew of OG X-Men speaking to this older grizzled crew who have done things that they're ashamed of that they regret. They learn that they've actually been manipulated by the Phoenix to do these things. Um, it's well-worn territory. If you've been reading the X-Men for a long time, but There's, I don't think that, I don't think the point was to do something original as the title might. Yeah. Suggest. Yeah. There, there is one good bit here that I enjoyed. And that was the, uh, uh, when you see this, this reality is Tony Stark where Gene Grace essentially took away his, uh, his uh, independent streak as, as she put it which meant that he could come up with all these ideas for technology, but he lacked any creativity to actually make something with it. And I was like, all right, that's an interesting take on it. But what you get like a page for, and like it's just a little throwaway thing. But I found it to be the most interesting, you know, bit in this book because it felt like it was saying something about Tony Stark, which isn't an X-Men character at all. So, I, I Man, it, it, this, this whole thing has been very gene centric and i don't know like as, as a huge huge yeah. lover of gene gray i'm not i like i love gene i love the phoenix with gene i don't care as much about the phoenix as an entity by itself and i want them desperately to do something else with her she has more to give i think it's interesting that gene gray is a very very deeply powerful uh, psychic telepath who can destroy the world if she wants to, but she doesn't want to, but she kind of does. I think that's an interesting person. She's not perfect. She acts like she is. She portrays herself like that, but she has deep character flaws that she has to work through. And professor X saw this a long time ago. And that's why he locked her out of her powers. Explore that. Honestly, Without in my opinion, the, the, the most recent, uh, exciting Jean Grey story was the young Jean Grey um, with her solo series. I know you you don't, you don't care much for that one, but like I think that Tom Taylor did some good stuff with X Men Red, the first yes. volume of it. Yes. Um, but since then, she just kind of been like, I don't know, almost like just a power set and not really a character. Yeah, they don't know where to go with her. She, her one big story's been told, and, yeah. and it's just a thing that happens with characters. A lot of characters like that. The Century is one. Venom is one. I think her big story's been told, and ever since, writers just... Whenever they sit down to write Jean, they refer to 
the greatest era of comics for the X-Men, the Claremont era, and there's one story that got told with Gene, and that's it. No one knows what to do, and I wish someone would figure it out because she's too good of a character to be relegated to this. Um, I say, like, I personally enjoyed this issue. I didn't think it was bad. I really didn't care about the tease at all for the Weapon X-Men thing. It's like Does, a multiversal yeah. X-Men story. A multiversal Wolverine story. Does nothing yeah, for me. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Multiversal Wolverine story. Uh, couldn't care less. That is just, you know, what I'm not looking for from comics. Um, As an individual issue, this was fine, but it's not for the uninitiated. And I would not recommend this to anyone who doesn't really, really love Gene or the old school X-Men. So I, I'm going to say pass even though I personally liked it. It's a hard pass for me, um, especially at the $6 price. Like, Ooh, good call. Not worth it. Damn, dude. That made me feel bad about my purchase. (laughs) (laughs) You can feel bad about my purchase as well, Sean. How about that? Yeah, that's true. At least we shared pain. Shared pain. Uh, Let's hit a couple comments real fast before we move on. Uh, Christian Harriet, one of our channel members, Love seeing you green namers in the chat, uh, you VI pals. I passed on this. It's really hard for me to read all the X-Books. And so until some new direction comes about, I'm just winding down the minis I jumped on and buying the main book. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all in the wind down period at this point, but Marvel's not. That's the weird thing. Like Marvel's, while we're all ready to stop spending money on, you know, the ancillary X-Men stuff and just finish the story, Marvel's like, but wait, there's more. And it's six ninety nine or five ninety nine yeah. or whatever. I honestly I wish there was like a clean month where it's like, all right, all the X-Men books are ending. And then the next month is when you're getting everything. Everything seems to be like staggering in the way they're ending things, which I'm not digging. Well, the, I, I'm fine with stuff ending. The, my my problem is that we're still getting number ones. That's what I'm saying. I think everything should end. There should be a clean stop for the whole X-Men line. We don't need these, you know, uh, 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 Weapon X-Men, these, what, Dead X-Men coming back to, like all these new ones that are coming out, what, like four or five issues probably until July. Maybe July is our brand new line, which we'll see, I guess. But yeah, we also get the tease for the, what, the new X-Men. And it was like, you'll get more info in November. And we never did. Never happened. Uh, are the are they original X Men the actual original X Men for six one six or another universe? It's the 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 team that the book refers to as the OG X Men. The characters on the cover are the ones from our same timeline who were brought to the present by Beast. That is so technically they are the original first X Men. The other ones that are that they face off with, they're from a different timeline. Uh, very confusing, I know. Uh, Fee Waver says, if this team, if this was the team they go with after the Great Reset this summer, would you read OG X-Men as the main book or would that be too regressive? I think that's way too regressive. I think in 2023, like even if you look at the discussion about this book on social media, it's very obvious. People are livid about, quite frankly, about the fact that this team is still being propagated at all just because of how it doesn't represent the mutant idea on any level. It's also 
it's a whole bunch of people doing civil rights really badly. A bunch of white dudes, like, <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I mean, the premise does nothing for me. This is the original team. I think if you put on like a cre- a killer creative team, then maybe, but that's a hard maybe. Like that would be have to carry all the weight for that. I love these characters. I don't need them together. I I just don't. Not as an ongoing type of thing. What we hope, though, we can intrigue you with, if if, if the original X-Men aren't for you, hopefully we are. So we've got a Patreon page, patreon.com slash thecomicspals, where if you want to support us, if you're feeling in the holiday spirit, you can always join us over there, uh, where we love to give you back what you give us. We've got a whole host of stuff uh, available for you up there. We just put the book club poll up today, which if you are at a certain tier, you get to vote. Uh, we've got some great options there. We've got uh, Berserk, the manga, um, Identity Crisis is up there, The Dark Knight Returns, and Young Avengers. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, Young Avengers. Yeah, yeah you're uh, right. Marvel yeah. Now era. Um, so, great choices. Get your votes in if you are vote eligible. Head on over there and do that. Also, speaking of voting, the listener poll for this very show is up right now on YouTube. Oh. And uh yeah, yeah, it is it is up now. Um so if you want to cast your vote to see what we're gonna be reading next week, you can head on over to youtube.com slash the comics pals and vote. Right now, the flash number four is winning. Don't do it again. Please. Please are those, min- are those minions real? No, you know, it's not Marco's minions. People just fucking love the flash, and I get it, but it, it, I've seen it on some best of 2023 lists. Yeah, they're insane. <laughs> um, so become a channel member as well if you're interested. You can click the join button in the video you're watching now or on our channel, anything like that. Um, we just did the book club on the authority. Give that a listen. We had a lot to say about that book. We'll say that. For everything else, at the Comics Files, you know the drill. Let's talk gods. Gods. Gods number three. Written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Valerio Schiti, colors by Marta Gracia, letters by Travis Lanham. And I I, I had the thought while I was, uh, when I was about to read this, I was like, oh shit, this is still a book. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, huh. I, I thought this issue was good. I thought this was, this was strong. I got no real, I don't have any real big issues with it, but feels heatless now. Interesting. I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum. Um, I will, like, I, I rarely um, look ahead because I like to get su- surprised by the week. Like, oh, this is the week that's out. Um, I was looking to see when the next issue of Gods was because I've been waiting for it. Um, I really like this issue as well. I, I, I like a lot of what's going on here. Um, and it's really exciting. Interesting. Um, yeah, I... I, I I agree that it that it's good, definitely. I think I don't know. Um, I I don't know what I expected. I guess, but a lot of this is it has felt pretty pedestrian to me. The stuff with Oblivion was real good later on. Um, that's very interesting. Yeah, that's what we've been waiting for, honestly, because we yeah. assumed that was what it was the entire time. Yeah, right. 
But the other stuff is I'm just not really that compelled by. You know, Doctor Strange is here, and that's fine. You know, he gives us a familiar Marvel character to kind of orient ourselves around. Um, but I don't know. I see Doctor Strange all the time. I'm struggling with this book because I don't care about these characters. I think that's the biggest issue for me. I'm I'm learning to care about them, if that makes sense. Like like I like Dimitri and this uh what what is the the girl's Lynn? name? The new no, one. Uh, oh, uh, I forget. Um, the, the little magical girl uh, character. Um, I, I like her. Mia. Uh, yeah, Mia. Um, and you know, Win is kind of this. He's a bit of a rapscallion in a way. Um, but I just really like how they're building out this world and this section of the Marvel comics that like. Sure, we had and it's existed, um, but this feels fresh in terms of the magical side of things. Like we've had um, um, Strange Academy. That was a big thing, which I really enjoyed as well. Um, and, you know, a couple of Doctor Strange, you know, ongoings lately. Um, and this, I think, just kind of, you know, blows that up and we can really see what's going on there. And now it's even like kind of co-opting the whole um, – cosmic side of marvel as well was it al ewing that differentiated the two cosmic versus space marvel um, yeah yeah it's a very al ewing thing to do um but the whole cosmic aspect of it with you know like the in-betweener and now we're getting oblivion who's like the brother and a brother to like death and eternity um who you know we get him in, the, in his human form and yeah i'm really liking this i think it's doing some really cool stuff for parts of the Marvel universe that have been kind of left to the wayside. And it does not hurt at all that Valeria Rashidi is on art. The dude yeah. is killing it, man. Yeah, seriously. Great stuff. When I when I opened the book and I and I knew like, okay, we're gonna see, you know, Valerio's art. Um I got to this page right here. Which is a simple page. There's really nothing going on. It's Doctor Strange and Wynn having a conversation. There's some kind of like door that they're gonna pass through, but it's like, um, like uh, I don't know. It's just crazy looking. And I got to that page, and I was like, "Wow, man, this is great art. Damn, this is good. This is like event level artwork." Yep. You know, and the pairing of of Skitty and Gracia is just is is incredible. Uh, you know. The art is, is is unmatched. Oblivion looks great, like truly uh, kind of creepy. Yeah, and I do like that one panel where Oblivion shifts temporarily to like what he looked like in like the 90s during like uh, like the Infinity Saga stuff mm. uh, with like the pointy hood. Um, and it shows how like, oh, that's – I can see how him just being a guy who I assume has a Cockney accent. That's how I was reading it, um, looking like he's a dock worker. Um, yeah, I mean, Sheedy's always, I, I, I've said from the, from the jump, Sheedy was like a main event guy. Um, so I'm glad he's kind of getting, getting able to kind of spread his wings and do something a little wild here. Yeah. I got to imagine the, the paycheck on this book is pretty, pretty nice. Um, it's, but again, like, how do we even really, how do we talk about this book? You know, um, it's, it's so conceptual, I feel. Um, it just doesn't feel rooted in anything that I care about. And that's my struggles. Like I'm into the concepts. I'm into 
the idea that you know oh man oblivion personified and he's got an axe to grind and what how are they going to stop that i'm into that but i don't care about it on an emotional level i care about it on like a i guess a a, like a logical level like a, a lot of times hickman's books catch me both ways this is just not interesting like i i think i'm i'm I think Dimitri and Mia are kind of the characters we're kind of left to care about in this issue because they're kind of just doing like a personal, you know, almost like a blind date in an accidental way, just talking to each other at a bar. Um, and everything happens around it. And in and, and, and the background, we have the, the new Cassandra kind of coming to her own and there's a whole C plot there. Um, this is not X-Men in the way it feels. This feels a lot more like his Avengers run. Um, what? just, just in terms of the, the kind of heady stories he's telling, I feel, um, and, and at least this Avengers, the difference is that his Avengers run had at least characters we knew and cared about. Um, he even like has the black swan stuff. He keeps poking its head in this book, um, for ways that aren't consequential to the plot, but it just keeps happening. So I'm like, all right, what's going on here? Um, so, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm. I'm liking it. I think our Discord has been pretty hot on it, too, from what I've been seeing. I'm sure they are. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no reason not to be. I just – this feels heatless to me. I, I, I'm I'm really struggling um, to care. And, and I guess, like – I mean, Perez says uh, this feels like an indie comic without uh, the Marvel characters. And, and maybe that's what it is. Um, it could be that. But, but like – even taking it just on its face without worrying about what this means for the greater Marvel universe, just the characters that are new. I don't, I don't know. I'm not invested in them. And it's not like, well, of course you're not there. There needs time. You know, I I don't care about them. I didn't care about them in the first issue. So that's what I'm struggling with more than anything. Is it like ability thing? Like, can you pinpoint why you don't care? Do they feel like they don't exist in this world? They just don't feel like people. They don't. They don't feel like people. They don't feel like I don't know what their problems are really. Um, Wynn has generic problems, I guess. You know, like he's a drunk. He likes this woman who doesn't care about him anymore. Whatever. I don't know. When I think about like the sacrificers, for example, that's a book that doesn't have anyone in it that I know. Um, you know, before the first issue, and I know the characters. I care about them. I care about their journey. So it's not that I can't invest in an indie book. I just don't care about this. I care about it conceptually. Gotcha. Enough to keep reading. Are you still interested in like? Yeah. Oh, okay. dude. The, yeah. The, the the second half of this book was awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's just the first half that I was just like kind of glazing over. And, and I feel like with this book, we haven't gotten to the hook yet. I still think it's building. Right. Um. And I think it's it's showing signs, especially with this issue, like what it could be. But we're not there yet. Um, but I'm excited for when we do get there. And maybe that's a maybe that's what it is too. Is like it. I don't care about the characters, but I also feel like it's aimless. In that, whatever the the reason this book exists, the bigger, larger plot, this is not really here yet. Um, so I'm waiting to find out why I need to be reading this and I don't feel like that's revealed itself quite yet, 
but I still think it's good. And it, and, and again, the art is freaking great. So um, I'm always willing to give Jonathan Hickman a lot of rope. Yes, and it's good. Yeah, this was close to my pick of the week. But All right, so then not. what is it that you got out of it that made you feel that way then? It just feels like a cool epic, you know? Um, it, it, it almost feels popcorny in a way that I don't feel Marvel has felt lately. Um, and, un- and I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and I can't really predict what's going to happen either. As a longtime Marvel comics reader, a lot of this stuff is uncharted territory. So I'm excited to see what he does. And I think he has the uh, – Hickman uh, has the le- – has been given the leeway to do whatever he wants. So that's exciting to me as well. Fair. Fair. Um, I'm going to say pull. It's, it's, like I said, it's good. It's, I'm probably liking it less than others, but I still think it's good. The art is worth the price of admission. You really can never bet against Jonathan Hickman. So. Yeah, that's, it's going to be an easy pull for me. Yeah. Yeah. You wanted to talk about, uh, Dr. Strange this week. Yeah. So Dr. Strange number 10, uh, this is by, uh, Jed McKay. Art by Pascal Ferry, who's been doing the this this arc. Uh, colors by Heather Moore and letters by Corey Pettit. Um, I wanted to pop in to talk about Doctor Strange for a bit because I know we talked about it when it first came out earlier in the year. Um, kind of a continuation of uh, Strange, is that what we called it? The, the Clea Doctor Strange when, when Stephen Strange was quote-unquote dead. Um, this is him back, and it's essentially a, a Clea Doctor Strange, almost like partner book they're kind of on the same level uh and this whole arc has been dealing with another uh almost multiversal strange that dr strange has to uh kind of control it's general strange Uh, a strange that is kind of lost all of his humanity and just been is really a weapon um but a i think the pascal fairy art is phenomenal i don't know if you're familiar with him but he he did the the name wars yeah 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 hitting me um, and it's just really, really good in this. And it's for, for the, the premise that I gave you, the strange stuff, it, it's a lot more, um, this issue is a lot slower and more personal. Um, there's a whole bit that really is just about strange healing. Uh, and it really focuses on the healing aspect and the doctor aspect of strange. When you have general strange versus doctor strange, you really need to focus on the doctor side of things, uh, which I think it does a really good job of. And at the same time, Clea is, still scary you know she's his wife and they love each other and they do everything for each other but in the background she's like ah she's not evil but she's menacing in a positive way and it is i think it's a really really good character um and i'm glad she's getting a lot more depth uh in 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 comics lately and i'm having a lot of fun with this i caught up with this recently uh so now i'm back to being you know month to month with it uh and i think i think it's a pretty good book Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, Pascal Ferry is, is incredible. Um, so that's a draw. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. I fell off with Doctor Strange just because, you know what? I don't know that I care too, too much about the character in comics. I think I got what I needed out of the Jason Aaron stuff, which was pretty sure. good. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that you're enjoying it. I, I, I wish they would. I wish they would let him 
kind of cook, you know, like they're killing him again or, or getting rid of him. Somehow or again. somebody else is going to become the new Sorcerer Supreme or whatever. Yeah. Right. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I just wish they would let the character rock out a little bit. We don't need to constantly, there doesn't need to be a, an upheaval every year or every other year. The good thing is I think that story that was announced is also Jeb McKay. So it's at least a continuing story by one writer. Um, so that's at least decent. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, after talking about gods, I just think I'm a fan of Ma- Magic Marvel, which is sounds like a WB movie that never got released. Um, but this the whole mystical side of Marvel is something that really interests me. And, and I think that goes back to friggin' uh, Remender's uh, brother Voodoo, like Dr. Voodoo at the time. Oh, yeah. So, sure. Yeah, I'm a fan of that stuff. Awesome, man. I'm glad it's working for you. I uh I, I I bought I bought that run through like the first uh ten so I gotta catch up, or at least on those and decide if I like it. You guys sure, know sure. my stats crazy, <laughs> yeah. Um, which I'll probably show off a little later on. Um, Atomic Hound says hit like and share the video. You know what? I approve that message. Thank you, Atomic Hound. Christian Harriet says, uh, "Wait, what? We are talking on book I'm reading." Slides over to Patreon, uh, and then uh. Clea has been written well every issue of the series. She's one of my favorite characters, period. This has got – so I've liked Clea in this book so much so that she just came out with a new Marvel Legend and I didn't buy it. But now I'm just like, she might need to go to my collection somehow. I might, might need to pick that one up. Hmm. But Okay. Well, I don't want to gloss over the idea that Christian is sliding over to Patreon. Um, hey, hey. Feel free. Yeah, please. That would make you a double dipper, which we always – we always appreciate and love our double dippers. This is a double dip week of Tom King. Mm-hmm. And we're going to jump into the first of two books that Tom is on this week. Uh, the first up is Animal Pound, number one. This is a boom book. Boom book from Tom King, spreading his wings a little bit. Uh, illustrated by Peter Gross with colors by Tamara Bonvalin. Lettered by Clayton Cowles. It wouldn't be a Tom King book without Clayton Cowles, would it? And so this is just Animal Farm, right? So I, I guess so. I never read the book. Really? Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was yeah, supposed so, to, but I skipped it in class. Okay. Um, if you've ever read Animal, Animal Farm or seen one of the movies or whatever, uh, the premise is basically identical. I'm sure that's not like a mistake. I'm sure that's, you know, on purpose. Um, and except... This is primarily focused on like cats and dogs and uh, domesticated animals primarily, which is why it takes place in a pound. And, you know, they're coming up, you know, this dog, he's got this whole manifesto and this belief about how the relationship between animals and humans and not differentiating it between like classifications of animals, you know, dogs, cats, fish, pigs, whatever, just all animals have the same plight, which is that they are governed by man and that everything about their existence is governed by man down to whether or not they can access what is on the other side of a door. Um, They don't have any choice or freedom to their, to their lives. And um, you know, they're going to revolt. And so the book is really showing us, the evolution of that revolt, the philosophies as to why these animals are willing to do this and, you know, dropping some hints that not everything is paradise after you get rid of your oppressor. That's the lay of the land with this book. Now, 
I actually felt two ways about this, and and I'm excited to hear what you have to say, especially as someone who's never read Animal Farm. I think that this has some great Tom King uh, words in it. And I say words because some of it is from the narration, some of it is from actual dialogue, some great words from Tom King. But this is the most book, not comic book, but like book, book, novel that I've ever felt I was uh, reading from a comic. This just doesn't feel like it's supposed to be not a even comic. Tom King, just in general comics. In, in any yeah. comic. Um, he writes over everything. Absolutely everything. And everything is narrated to the point where like you you almost like you just you almost can't even focus on the art because there's so much. He's just not giving any space to Peter Gross to storytell. Yeah, which is which is tricky because the actual context of what's happening in this, in this issue is that all these cat animals are, are locked in cages. So how much can you even do there in terms of art that isn't just drawing the same animal in a cage in a different, you know, pose each time? Um, so I don't think the script helps it too much there. Um, but but you're right. It, it This did really did feel like reading a novel. I mean, listen, man, we've had comic books with animals before. With, sure. You know, yeah. so it's not out of the realm of possibility to leave something to the imagination. There are so many panels here that I I challenged myself because I'm like, okay, there's way too many words. I'm going to not read the narration and see if you lose anything. And you don't. Because then I went back and read the narration. And like I said, there's some great Tom King words in here. But there's stuff like, at this point, Fifi left her own cage and leapt, leapt into Titans. And literally that is what is in the panel. Why do you need to write and narrate what you, you've already asked your artist to draw by giving them the script? It feels unnecessary to me. I didn't get more out of that. I could just see that with my it, own eyes. It's redundant in a way. It's 100% redundant, yeah. And it's funny, Atomic Count says it sounds a little like Danger Street number nine, which is what I was going to bring up. Um, Danger Street number nine is probably the wordiest comic I read all year, but it was good because it was two people fighting physically while also fighting with words. Um, where the, and It was two different battles happening at the same time on two different planes. This isn't that. Um, this is, like you said, it, it's... Telling and showing simultaneously. Which I, I, I really don't think I don't think that that works in comics. I think um, I really think it bogs it down. And, and Tom King's better than that. You know, like Human Target was some of the more, more quieter books. Uh, and the art kind of really gets a shine in that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and who knows why he makes the decisions that he makes. But I, to me, Tom King is one of the wordier writers in comics. And um, I see why. He's very, very talented. There's an interaction between Fifi, who is like the, the the cat that runs this place, right? And Titan, which is one of the dogs. And they're speaking about their dreams. And, and Fifi wants to go to sleep. And Titan is like, you're going you're gonna to go to sleep and you're going to dream at a time like this? And Fifi is like, if you could see my dream, you would want to live it too. 
you would want to dream it too. And Titan says, well, all I dream of is blood. And Fifi says, both of our dreams will come true tomorrow. It's a great exchange. It really is. I, I, I was riveted by yeah. several pieces of the dialogue. And the, and the art is great. I think Peter Gross does a great job with limited. I mean, you know, there's only so much you can do with animals yeah. from a visual standpoint. But because there's so much narration of what we already see, it made reading this a slog when it didn't have to be. Um, I will give Peter Gross extra credit, too, because uh, there's a lot of different variations of, of dogs and cats he has to draw on this. And there's one bit – like, we only get, what, um, four named characters? Uh, Fifi, Lucky, Titan, and uh, what was the, the black cat's name? Oh, yeah, Raven. Raven, yeah. And, and the way he draws Raven, it's just a black cat. He's kind of like a, a the creepy sage of the group that everyone – like it's like the crazy old man in the village. Um, it's just pitch black. You cannot see any part of this cat at all. It's just a, a, a blob of – of pitch black fur. And I thought that was a pretty, pretty fun way of doing that character. And and Peter Gross does a lot of work throughout this to bring these characters to life. Um, the, the, the facial work, and as weird as that is to say about a book with animals, I mean, animals can't speak, even though the characters in this book do speak. And they don't necessarily emote the same way that humans do. So when they have a look on their face, it's got to be, it's got to be big, you know? And Peter Gross does a great job of telling us through the visuals, through the facial expressions, through the body language, how these animals feel. And I was very impressed by that. I think, I think he did a great job. Yeah, I agree. Um, yep. Although, how was Fifi in the pound that long? <laughs> Part of me was like, what, what, how, it's years past. There's no cat yeah. that's in the pound for years. No, no. They usually get, unfortunately, you know, let 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 down, put down. Yeah. But that's I, just the I cat mean, dad I, in me that took me out of the story. Yeah. Um. I I I enjoyed this. I just had a major problem with the what I felt was uh, uh overwordiness. It wasn't. Size barrier level in the sense that it didn't like great on me. Tom King's words are flowery, but a lot of times they're quite good. I enjoyed this a lot more than like not this, not necessarily the most recent issue of Wonder Woman, but what's been going on with the sovereign. I enjoyed this a lot more than that. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll will you that. come back? For, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to come back for this. It might be one of those things where if I. No, it's coming out. I'll probably check it out. But if I miss it, if I miss issue two, I'm I'm probably out. I feel like even though I liked it and enjoyed it, I've read this before. Um because of Animal Animal Farm. Um so I'm iffy. I'm iffy. It's really gonna be a game day decision as to whether or not I read the second one, to be honest. Yeah. I but you. I will still say pull. I think this individual issue is good. Honestly, it almost works as a one-shot in a way. Like, there's technically a whole story here um, that even without an issue two, I think it's an enjoyable read. Hmm. I think it's missing something. And it's not missing it because 
it's a fail. It's a failure. I think it's just the other part of the story is that if this is a story that is philosophically referring to the oppressed people rising up and overcoming their oppressors, which Animal Farm certainly is, the other part of that is what the oppressed then do. And in Animal Farm, they go on to become the oppressors. Yeah. That is an extremely important piece that Tom King has to address, which I'm sure he will. The story is set up. Uh, I am worried about the rabbits in this book. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, them rabbits are going to be a meal. Well, they're done. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gourmet. Uh, Fee Waver. I read the ash can of Animal Pound and it didn't hook me. Animal Castle is a good play on Animal Farm. Yeah, there are a lot of um, different ki- different versions of Animal Farm that are uh, quite good. I can see why this wouldn't hook a person, but like I said, I do think there is some some good some good work here. Uh, this is a warm up for Flash Four next week. If you guys do me dirty like that, I I just don't even know what to say anymore. It's so ridiculous. Flash Flash. I'm not like if you like Flash, that's great. But come on, come on, we got good stuff in the poll. We got good stuff. Shang Chi's in there. Yeah, yeah. That De- that cover is sick. Oh, the dude. Hands of Kung Fu Gang War number one cover is. Is sick. that Michael Cho? Do you know who that is off the top? I don't know. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, that's who I'm voting for. That's for sure. We're yeah, uh, yeah. we're Tyler's twinks to come in with the uh, the votes here. If you're if yeah. you're one of Tyler's twinks, just feel free to keep that to yourself. I, I, <laughs> I cannot co-sign that. I really, really can't. Um, wow. What I can co-sign is Geiger. Ground Zero number two. This is by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Two names that should be pretty familiar if you're a listener of this podcast because we just had them on the show. Oh, yeah, that's where I heard those names from. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. Yes, of course. They're joined by Brad Anderson, who did the colors, Rob Lee on letters. By the way, you should really go listen to that interview if you haven't. Gary Frank doesn't do a lot of these, so that was a rare treat for us to get Gary and then Jeff and Gary together. I mean, I don't even know if that's ever happened. So uh, I feel really lucky that we got to do that. It was great. Go check it out. I enjoyed this issue a lot more than I did the first one. So I wasn't here for the discussion on the first one. In fact, I didn't read it until today. So I read this two-issue story um, back-to-back. Okay. Um and honestly, I didn't know <laughs> going into it. Um, I didn't really know what it was. Uh, I was like, "All right, we had a pretty decent full story in Geiger. I'm sure there's there's we obviously know that's coming back for an ongoing." I didn't know what this two issue thing was, and then as I'm reading it, and then I realize, "Oh, that's what it means by like Ground Zero." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's the origin story." Okay, um, I thought it was good. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, I think the uh, the whole bit of kind of explaining his powers. It's just like classic comic book stuff, you know, um, and especially if you're building out this universe, you kind of need to start building out the universe with characters and the story of why of, of what happened to this world, especially when it's connected to what was a generally normal world in Junkyard Joe hmm. um, and a potentially wild world that came before it with uh, with uh, uh, Redcoat, which we'll find out about Um so kind of building the backstory of the whole nuclear apocalypse part of this stuff too. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, and I think, and again, this is a blur for me, so I don't know which, if this is issue one or two. 
Uh, but the whole stuff with his family, I think, is great. I think that's the that's the classic Jeff Johns, Gary Frank uh, uh, setting it in. Like, like family is a big theme throughout all this. So yeah. um, I really enjoy that part of it as well. And honestly, like, this freaking costume is just cool. It's not a costume, but, like, the design of it all is really cool. Yeah. There are um, there are a couple characters I can think of that look or that have a similar idea to them, like uh, Doctor Phosphorus. Yeah, that's one um, of them, yeah. yeah. But I just think for whatever reason, is this character just looks cooler than them? I don't know. Um, and he's got those sticks. Like, it's it's cool. it's the boron sticks. It's so simple yeah. uh, and stupid, but like it it this this actually um, explains the reasoning for it in something that like. Even though this is very like science fiction, it was like, yeah, that makes sense. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, I'm I don't not smart need much. enough. To, yeah, I don't. Need, I'm not smart enough to debate that, but it worked for me. I really liked uh, Doctor Molotov in this one. Um, he's the guy who's kind of like trying to help Geiger figure out what the hell is happening with him. Who's who seems to know and understand this whole thing. Um, He's a very interesting character because as much as he wants to help, he's also terrified. Um, and I appreciated that. I appreciated seeing the way that he's terrified. He has a gun that he, you know, is threatening Geiger with if he gets out of line, as if that freaking gun is yeah. going <laughs> to stop a nuclear man, you know, an atomic man. Um, there's a point. <laughs> there's a point where. Geyer's got, you know, he's got the, the rods and, and the vest and stuff. He's already gotten all that. And he's like messing with it. And the doctor's like, leave the rods alone. <laughs> that got me. I heard like a, a bit of a bit of Brian Cranston in that when he was doing it. Mm. Yeah, that I, I there's just I, I for me, there were a lot of really good moments in this issue. Um, the, the Gary Frank art is insane. The colors are absolutely insane. Like, look at this freaking page. I don't know if I can do this justice by showing you the page. Um, but man, the colors are just gorgeous. The greens, those those like neony greens that um that Brad Anderson is working with, the way they bathe the entire page in this green light. Um it's just amazing. It really is. And there's also like the 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 scenes with with the, the shots of Molotov, uh, those you know quiet you know shots where you're looking at him through the hazmat suit, yeah, and you can tell it's through the hazmat suit no matter how close up it is. Um, we never f like fully get to see the man um, because it's because it's just it just to remind you like this world is a mess <laughs> and it's dangerous at every single point. So um, just if there's like a slight crinkle in the folds of like the clear part of it, Gary Frank draws that very well. Like it's it's subtle things like that that just jumped out to me. And and I think it's something that the book has probably been understated about so far in, in the Geigerverse. But everybody who's alive is is going to die. And they're going to die horribly because this place is still dealing with nuclear fallout. And so that's why we have people that are mutated and everything else. So, you know, um, it's an awful, awful, awful world. And I'm, I love it. I'm, I'm really enjoying living in it. I, I've been a fan of the Geiger stuff um, since the beginning. And the fact that we're getting a monthly series, I'm, 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 I'm pretty interested. Dude, the teaser at the end with the, the unnamed stuff, I was like, yeah. oh, hello. 
Yeah, yep. The very cool epilogue, which was teased by uh, Jeff in our interview. Yep. We didn't know exactly what he meant, but seeing that, now we do, which is very exciting as well. Um, is Do you think that, uh, do you think Geiger's family's alive? Didn't didn't we learn the first volume that they aren't? I, I think And then he did. kind of like adopts those kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he finally like opens it up and they there was like it right. wasn't fully safe to begin with, so they died pretty much instantly. Right, right, yeah. What a shame. Yeah, it was like now that we have the context of who his kids were and like the personality of his kids, it's like uh knowing that was just like, ah, god damn it. <laughs> yeah. I can see why these two issues exist. Um, to give co- more context to the Ger- the Geiger character. And I think that going into what is going to be an ongoing, not just a mini, we needed this context. This was the right time. To yeah, do it's it. just one giant zero issue, really. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yep. Um, and, 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 you know, you can't never say enough about Gary Frank's art. The fact I was reflecting on this, I didn't want to say this during the interview, but like the fact that Gary Frank has been working in this industry for so long and is still this good. Like this is like he's not getting by on his name. And there are there may be other artists or writers for that matter who that is true for. That's not true for Gary Frank. This is like he's doing the best work of his career now. One of the more consistent artists ever that I can think of. Yeah, totally. Uh, for me, this is a pull. Yeah, this is an easy pull for me, for sure. Actually, actually these first two issues, like it's just like, I don't know how it's going to be collected, but good stuff. Yeah, this is this is my pick of the week. Um, it's not, I, I did enjoy it a lot. It's not because of how strongly I felt about it necessarily. I think it's more about, like I didn't, I didn't love anything else. Um, but I still, this is still really strong. I'm excited for the, the, uh, the, the Geiger ongoing. Yeah, same. Uh, there's also, um, a, a great, and I have it on the screen here. There's a great, you know, I'm kind of anti-variant, but there's a great, uh, Junkyard Joe variant by, uh, Mike Allred for this issue too. Cool. Which that, that's a guy I wouldn't mind seeing a ghost machine. Just saying. Atomic Hound says pals deserve a YT equivalent of an Emmy for that interview. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Are there, are there awards like that? That'd be neat. Uh, we get, yes, we give awards to ourselves uh, every year <laughs> during the Pallies, which is our annual award show that we will be presenting to you live on YouTube.com slash the Comics Pals on December 30th. And then, of course, you can listen to it wherever you listen to, the, to us after that. But we will be live on that day with the Pallies, giving away awards like, you know, best writer best artist best you know and then comics pals related awards like best interview um things like that and we're going to go over our predictions from last year and oh my god this is going to be so much fun i've already been determining who you know who got points who did it and whatnot Mm -hmm. it's gonna be so fun interesting okay uh, let's see what else we got here. Christian says, did you, did you tell the story at your LCS? I put ghost machine on my pull list and just casually mentioned it because I had an intimate hangout with the creators. Oh, that's awesome. That's really Good. cool. Yeah. 
tell them to check out the show. <laughs> right. I'm, I, I'm still trying to figure out a way to casually like plug us at Midtown. I, I you don't want to talk the, to them, Sean. <laughs> I don't. But I had told one of the workers there about the show, and he got really, like, he was like, oh, yeah, I, I want to check it out. And then he didn't work there anymore. So I never got to get any feedback. That's because he talked. They saw someone talking to someone, and they're like, nope, you're out. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, Let's get into Wonder Woman. The listener pick. The listener pick this week, Wonder Woman number four. The aforementioned Tom King, who uh, is all over the map, doing all kinds of stuff. Daniel Semper might just be the artist of the year. We'll determine that during the pallies. But uh, Tamu Moray on colors and Clayton Cowles on the letters. If I say nothing else about this comic, I need to say, I need it to be known. With my dying breath, I'll say. This is a phenomenal comic. I don't know that Wonder Woman has ever, ever looked better. Even when Gal Gadot was playing her. I will go that far. All right, we're not on Twitch, so you're simping hard for this one. That's fine, I get it. It's not even about that. It's just like, it's just so, the art is just phenomenal. It's really, really good art. (laughs) And I know, I mean, Sam Pair, uh, I know him originally from, like, I think it was a Green Lantern run into Dark Crisis, uh, into this. And it's just next level. Um, I, this was my pick of the week. This might be one of my favorite single issues of a comic all year, honestly. It is definitely up there. Um, and I am really enjoying what Tom King is doing here because... What he's doing does not feel – it feels a lot – it's weird because there's two There's two different stories being told here and this is what I like about it. It's, it's the actual story of what's happening with the United States and the military and just men and their reaction to Wonder, Wonder Woman and Amazon, Amazonians and trying to kind of revolt that and it's all being orchestrated by uh, the sovereign. Hmm. And then you have Wonder Woman just trying to live <laughs> – and to just to be herself and trying to be calm and collected in this world that's starting to hate her. Um, and the idea that Wonder Woman is this, this personification of love, I think, is inherent in the character, which I don't think is ever really brought up enough. Um, and this issue did a phenomenal job of doing that. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. So, we, you know, it's, it's Wonder Woman... You know, with this uh, uh, ill child giving him like a, you know, like a make like a make a wish type yeah, like thing, a John Cena situation. Yeah, yeah, it's it's private. Um, and man, I really don't want to be. I don't want to say anything negative about this comic. I understand that this comic is like really touching people this week, and it is quite good. Um, but man, like, why is it? This is my thing, right? Every character that Tom King writes, to me, it's like one note. So every man in Wonder Woman, except Steve Trevor, is a douche. Even this kid's father, whose his child is dying. Yeah. And all he wants in the world is to meet Wonder Woman. And this dude is being a dick. He goes, uh... 
he goes, uh, he goes, Jack is, I promised him he could have what he wanted, and he insisted. I'm just, no offense, I wouldn't have you here if I could help it. It's the kid. This is Jack. He's your, I don't know, your whatever, your biggest fan, I guess. I, see, I, I agree with you. He is being a douche. But I think there's a little more nuance to him where he's trying, he's like, even though it's going against his, his, I guess, ingrained notion about what things should be, he's still doing it for his kid. So he's at least undercutting himself to let his son have the best day of his short life. Um, so I think that was consistent with the story, but also added a slight layer to, to at least that throwaway character. But why is the story that all men hate women? I think the story is that because of the way the sovereign is controlling the narrative of the United States and the media, it's causing people to have this almost mass hysteria and fear of Amazonians, and which is capital W women for this story. I think the problem is that that, that doesn't feel real. And you're dealing with something that's very real. You're dealing with misogyny, right? You're dealing with sexism. And so for every single man to just be this absolute asshole, um, it, it's, it's, I don't know, man. It's just rubbing me the wrong way. And that was a moment where I was like really ready to get invested into the idea that this, this kid, this boy, and obviously there's significance to the fact that it is a boy, um, that he's Wonder Woman's biggest fan. I was ready to jump in, but it's like, man, you just couldn't help yourself but to have this 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 asshole dad. And then when we when we shift gears to the military scene, every guy in the military is an asshole except Steve Trevor. And now everybody's cursing. It's just like it's like it's always like that. It's it's exactly what you expect, and then it's only that. But I, I even, I mean, I like that as well. I mean, because the whole um the the previous character from the last issue who you know kills he kills himself um and now the whole narrative is that he killed himself because he was uh, uh his gender was taken away from him by wonder woman's actions and he was d d uh he was emasculated to the point where he couldn't live any longer right. um and i like steve trevor's actions in this too because yes he's the good guy um and he's supposed to be the nice guy in this but he still does a typical guy thing and just punch someone in the face, you know, like still can't control his anger. So I, I even like that as well. I mean, like I, I get it. Yeah. There, there are no real, there's no, uh, other side to, to this. Uh, it, it, it can maybe be perceived as one note, but I'm still enjoying it for what it is. Okay. Um, Wonder Woman, you know, is taking this kid to Themyscira and, you know, he gets she gets to he gets to ride in the invisible jet, which is super cool. Dude, he rides the kangaroos. Yep, the kangas. Um, and they have a really sweet moment together. I mean, again, this is a book that uh has has, has really, really impacted a lot of people this week. And I don't want to undercut that. Like, it's great. Um and I like the idea of Wonder Woman as a character who can have these kinds of moments. You know, um it's harder to do with that. Yeah, you can, Wonder Woman can be this person. She can be that, and I love that. And you can accept it. Like I, I, I have no issues with the fact that 
Wonder Woman would take a day to do this. It makes sense. Although the idea of Batman doing a Make-A-Wish day for a child seems, uh, uh, I kind of want to hear that story as well, or see that story as well. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 I mean, that would also be interesting, to be fair. Just forces um, the kid to go to Arkham. That's crazy. Scared straight. <laughs> <laughs> Scared straight with Batman. Um, and then the Sovereign. Man. I do like how there's more there's more to him now though because like he actually is I guess somewhat a part of the government as opposed to just being this entity that kind of is behind the scenes. He's kind of in the in the thick of it in a way. I liked it. Yeah, I liked him being a physical presence in the main continuity story and not just like you know narrating or whatever. Yeah. Um but the kiss the ring thing was just so freaking lame to me, man. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe I'm a hater. I'm really not trying to be. I genuinely love Tom King, and I, I think this is a, a phenomenal creative team. And this was a good book, but the, the, there's certain trappings that I'm just having a hard time dealing with. Another thing I'll say for it, and it's definitely a different Wonder Woman story. Um, you know, I, I can't remember a, a Wonder Woman story that was this. Hey, it's it's a political comic. Like I know people say, oh, get, get politics out of my comics, you know. People who might be wearing similar hats to, as this, um, but uh, I think it knows it is, and it's purposely doing that because it's trying to tell a story, <laughs> hmm. and it's trying to say something. Um, I can get an idea of what it's saying, but yeah, let's wait for the whole story to actually get a, a full picture of it. Rami Darwish says he's not a douche. He's afraid that he might get into trouble. Yeah, I hear you on that, but I also I, I think I think it's also pretty clear that like he doesn't like Wonder Woman himself. At least that's the impression that I got. I also think that if your kid was Wonder Woman's biggest fan, would you say this is Jack? He's I don't know, you're whatever, your biggest fan. He's your whatever. That's a weird way to talk about your child. Christian Harriet actually brings it up. He says, it is real. I'm a school chef. I'm a dad. I know good dads. But if I was going to write a comic by averages, dads are going to have that. I want to support my kid. But I also have political feelings aspect of things. So I think that is what Tom King was going for. But that, but that, I, I, no, like the problem isn't getting what he's going for. The problem is I don't like what he's going for. Okay. I don't think that that is how all people are. And it feels like in this book, we are only seeing exactly one portrayal of man. And uh, I just simply don't like it. But everybody else is free to feel how they feel, of course. Um, Amin says, can we address how disconnected this feels from everything else happening right now? It's amazing, but continuity-wise, it's weird. I mean, my God, yeah, you can't even get into that. I've given up. In my, in my mind, it's like, unless expressly told otherwise the main solo books were kind of doing its own thing. And if we're, if it does tie into something, it will eventually like in my mind, it's just like, just, it's just a story. Read the story. If you get bogged down in that, it you'll tear your hair out. Sorry. I miss the days when you sort of could get bogged down in that, but sure. Yeah. They're long gone. Um, either way, this is a pull for sure. For sure. Um, also, I wanted to say in reference to uh, Christian Harriet, thank you so much for joining us on Patreon. Uh, that is phenomenal at the uh, I shall become a pal tier, which gives you access to voting in the book club poll and getting yeah, yeah, a nickname bro. and a shout out on the show. Three 
three different nicknames. We have to uh, new ones that will be presented this Saturday. So three people joining the pals. That is very, very cool. Cool. Love it. Um, This issue doesn't surprise me too much. This book reminds me of issue six or seven from Tom Taylor's Spider-Man run. Oh, under, under, not talks about Spider-Man run. That was some good Spider-Man stuff. Von Cabal on art too, I think. Man, I don't remember that. It wasn't, uh, it was an adjective Spider-Man. I forget which one it was. Um, But uh, it was good stuff, yeah. Okay. Uh, this was my pick of the week, if I didn't say it. That's what, this was my pick. Right. Yeah. yeah. I definitely see why. I mean, my goodness. Like, forget any words. Daniel Semper. Yep. Oh, my God. Come on. The, uh, that one shot, and I think it's in the previews, too. So even if you don't have the book, you could probably view the pre- previews online. Of, of just Wonder Woman sitting at, at Jack's bedside, and you can see all the memorabilia Jack has. Mm-hmm. And like one of it was like issue one's cover, and it was like, wait, my brain's broken now. Like, how does he have a cover of the book he's in? Um, but again, don't overthink things. Uh, gorgeous stuff, dude. He's got a fucking cooler room than I've ever had. I'll tell you that. All that amazing Wonder Woman art. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm. I think I'm in for the ride. I but I don't know. If I'm gonna enjoy the ride, and that's the, that's the part that's so weird. You sound like uh, people fans of his Batman run. Um, I I, I love Tom King's Batman run. I'm I don't know if I'm a minority there or just the vocal majority, but uh, I'm impressed. It was says, oh. sorry. I'm impressed. It's just reminding. It's friendly neighborhood Spider Man. That was Tom Taylor's Spider Man stuff. Gotcha. The dawn of DC feels like the 70s a bit. It's just as plausible that all these characters are in standalone universes as they are in a shared one. Some days I completely agree with that, yeah. Um, and then we get a stark reminder of why some things should be kept apart, like Gotham Gotham War. Yeah. <laughs> so where it's like, oh, I'm glad Wonder Woman's just doing her own thing. <laughs> yeah, like you want to avoid that type of shit. And then we, but hey, uh, we do have Amazon's attack, which that's solid. Fee, Fee Waver pointed that out. All right. Those are our comics reviews. We did, what did we do? Six? Yeah, we did six. Well, you six, did, yeah. yeah, five and one. I want to show you guys my stack this week. That's what I want to do. So, Go ahead. last time I wasn't on the show, you showed your stack off as well, right? Yeah. Love um, it. Are you showing the week's stack or are you showing the st- capital T H E stack? No, it's the, it's the weekly stack. Yeah. Okay. Showing, yeah. Okay. Now, I want to know from you guys, how many books do you think I got this week? Because I really, really tried. I really did. I swear I did. To buy less comics. Did I accomplish that goal? As I sit here right now, I cannot honestly say that I even know the answer. So do you guys want to try to guess as to how many books I got this week? Over or under 15, I guess. Well, I mean, that's, that's BS. That's too easy. We'll say 17. I think last week it was 17. So over or under 17. I'm going to go under. Under 17. I see a lot. I see some 12s in there. 10, 23. 23. 23. Atomic Hound. Who do you think I am? He either either uh, has high hopes for you or thinks little of you. I can't tell what that means. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's see. We got... We got 
The Deviant, which was on the poll, didn't win, but okay. I still think this is a good book. Uh, Hexagon Bridge, number four. How many of those have I read? Don't ask me. Uh, <laughs> the Incredible Hulk, number seven. I haven't gotten to it this week. I will great. be getting to that, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man Gang War. Come on now. You know I had to do it. Uh, Undiscovered Country. And I just realized my my copy is like mangled. Damn. Look at the paper. I don't know if you can tell. Oh, yeah. That. Oh, that's, that looks like water, maybe. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what happened, but it didn't happen in my house. So, damn it, Midtown. <laughs> um, I'll blame them. Rare Flavors, which is the yeah, Rob V book. That's been good. Uh, Green Lantern War Journal, another Philip Kennedy Johnson book. This has been this has been phenomenal as well. Uh, Batman Off World, number two. Oh yeah. So I bought all the poll books. I bought, I, you know, I just I think our poll this week was awesome. And then of course the ones we read this week. So let's see what that actually amounts to. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The answer, the correct answer this week is 13. That's a decent stack. Man. How big was the last it, one? You, you, I, I think it was 17. Okay. All right. So you're, you're working on it. And you want to know what the fucked up thing is, Tyler? You made cuts. I made cuts, but it was the same price. <laughs> what was, was the same price? You, you literally cannot... Just grab books at the comic shop anymore and guess what the price is anymore. It, it is a unknown quantity until that register. Honestly, they could lie to you too. You could probably just be like, All right, I guess so. It's literally insane. Like I'm looking at the books right now and the prices are all over the map. It's it's a variable between three ninety nine and five ninety nine. Yeah. It's and then sometimes even higher than that, you know, when you get into some of the uh Annuals and things like that, nine ninety nine. And you paid for the extra water damage variant to Undiscovered Country too. So. <laughs> yeah, right. And you know they're not going to fucking refund me that, even though I no, definitely no, did not no, do no. that. Um, Green Lantern War Journal felt like it was in fast forward this month. I got to get to it. I got to get to it. Um, yeah, I know. Philip I know Kennedy. Incredible Hulk is definitely one of the ones like I'm excited to read. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's been great. It's been great. Justin, we in with Price is Right rules. Yeah, you guys definitely. Yeah, Christian and Justin, you guys win this week. Um, well, uh, Pete Collins came out with seven. Oh, wait, no, it was 13. You had eight there. Okay. My my, my math wasn't mathing. Well, yeah, whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, Pete Collins in the chat. Always good to see you there. Uh, yeah, guys, I'm trying. I'm trying to get my stack down. But it is, it's tough when you have all these great comics coming out. But 2024, I'm not doing this shit no more. <laughs> that rhymed. I know. I, I am not doing this anymore. Undiscovered Country, I love this book. Do you want to know when the last time was that I read Undiscovered Country? And I'm saying these things because I need to hold myself accountable. And you guys can help me do that. Being honest about what is going on will help me do better. I haven't read an issue of Undiscovered Country since probably like 15. I'm kind of with you. Uh, it was after like the major arc that almost felt like a finale arc. It was when they went to the creative area. That's when mm -hmm. I dropped off after that. I think there yeah. was a, a a time where it wasn't being published too, I think. Yeah, it, it yeah, had time off. 
Yeah, it's it's very typical image book. <laughs> they give exactly. them an extra lo- length of time off, and then I I lose track. Tom accounts that I did avoid rivals catch up this week. It kind of ruined my regular stack. Wow, it's that good. Okay, well, I got to okay. catch up with that. It's good. Did, yeah. Uh, how did you, you you're caught up or? I'm up to date on avoid rivals. Yep, it's good wow, stuff. Okay, I think I read the first three. Yeah, I'm looking at like what else is out there right now. You didn't you didn't buy the. Uh, the seven ninety nine ROM and the X and the X Men Marvel Tales number one, Hell which is no. probably just X Men and ROM the Space Knight right. reprints. That would make sense. Yeah. Why would you even buy that though? Jeez. I whiffed on World's Finest. I'll admit that. Whiffed is and you forgot to pick it up, and you usually do. Or I I so I pick it up, but do I read it? Is a different matter. Fair. I was into the Kingdom Come arc. I read the first one of that, and then I just did it. And then this week, I didn't even pick it up. I totally forgot to buy it. So it's still doing the that's... Kingdom Come arc, I, th- I think. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I, I, kind of, I kind of screwed up there, but I don't know, man. I'm trying to get my stack down to like, like, like ten books. Oh, oh. A week, not yeah, a week. A ten week, yeah. concurrent books that you're reading at one time. A, a week. Okay. Yeah, the, the 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 time that comes when you're only reading ten books at one time is not a good sign for the comic industry. Oh, that yeah, that would be really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would be bad. bad. Yeah, I, I'm sure that like there was a time when there was a worker at Midtown who they they keep track of all your info, and he told me. The amount of money that I have spent on comics since I opened my account. Man, you must have pissed him off. Nah, he was just being really cool for some reason. Oh, I and wouldn't want that information. <laughs> why not? I'm obsessed with learning things like oh. that. You wouldn't want to know like how much money you've spent on video games in your life? Never. No? No. I would. I don't want to know how much money I spent any time. Mm. It's ephemeral. Just, I don't, it's, it's done. It's happened. I don't want to know. All right. Well, in my case, it was a lot of money. <laughs> That's what would scare me. It was a lot of money. But it was cool because that, that goes all the way back to literally when I first started reading comics. So I was into that. Yeah. I want to know how much avocado toast I've spent on, you know. What maybe, a waste, Tyler. Maybe I could have a house by now. You could yeah, Jesus <laughs> Christ. You you could be living you could be you could have a house in Maui right now. So that would that would have just been more money that would have been uh, uh, split evenly. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Well. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> On that grim note, we're going to call it. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. Thank you. Huge shout out to Christian for joining us on the Patreon tonight. That's really cool of you. Anyone else who wants to do that, it's patreon.com slash the comics pals. I really hope that you enjoy What's on that side of things? You're going to hear from me soon. I'm going to be messaging you when we get done with this here. Um, And anyone else who wants to do that, show Saturday. We've already got three new nicknames we've got to dole out. If you want to be the fourth or fifth or sixth, um, join up. Let's get to ten. Let's make Sean's uh, 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 Patreon spiel every week be uh, a challenge. (laughs) endless yeah it's already it's already uh uh getting unwieldy i mean there's so many of you guys in yeah, there, yeah and it's it's been amazing so yeah we're gonna be adding three this week can't wait for that what are we gonna be talking about well geez what's in the news jonathan majors 
is in the news. And he's been dumped. He's been dumped by Marvel officially. Now it's no longer rumor and innuendo. And so we're going to talk about what are the next steps for Marvel now that Jonathan Hickman is out of the picture. Oh, not Jonathan Hickman. Oh, my God. Jonathan Majors. (laughs) (laughs) Jonathan Hickman is a great guy. By all accounts, he's done nothing wrong. Jonathan Majors is the one that we have to deal with. And so we will be talking about that this Saturday. You can catch us live for that conversation and many more. YouTube.com slash The Comics Pals at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern. We will see you there and right back here on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern for this very show. Go vote in the listener poll. It's up now. Before we cut, let's see where we're ending up. Where are we at? Oh, cool. Yeah, we can do that now. Yeah. Uh, we are at a literal dead heat. Yeah, the flash 33%. Really oh, wow. For Flash, Green Lantern, and Deadly Hands of Kung Fu Gang War. 33%. 33 and third percent. Yeah. Dracula, nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> no. No um, folks. It's, it's David Aha is the artist for the Shang-Chi cover, which I should have recognized that. that yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So keep voting. Keep voting. Let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can bump Flash out of there. But don't, you know, don't counter vote against me, right? Please, I gotta say though, that last Flash three kind of it got me interested. Maybe it's your turn. Maybe Flash four will be your turn to get on the train, or maybe it'll be my Joker moment. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you in the next one. Take care, guys. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>